we got more Tootsie Rolls in. Some of some of y'all y'all need to check that box as soon as you walk in. You can just give me this one. It's not like I'm gonna run around or nothing. How about Proverbs chapter 25 tonight? Proverbs chapter 25, you uh, can go ahead and accuse me of sitting down on the job. Proverbs chapter 25. How's that? Is that better? All right. Okay, let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for getting us to church tonight. It's just a blessing to get out and get off the couch and get into the church house and hear people sing about glorious freedom. Father, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. I pray that you'd uh, bless everyone that's here tonight. Father, perchance someone here tonight that's not saved, Lord, might they find uh, the true freedom, Lord, that only comes through Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, uh, I'll do what I don't normally do. I'll give you a verse, and I won't pitch a fit, but I'll give you a verse, and I'll preach a thought tonight. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 25 is a real familiar verse. You know it. How many of you do? And it says, as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Don't you like a good cold glass of whatever it is you're drinking in the summer? (laughs) Um, I don't know about you, I like good news. I like to receive good news. And I think that's one of the reasons, and I know, I'm. see, you're going to be like, preacher, make up your mind. You always talk about negativity and how you need negativity in your life, but I'm so sick and tired of constant negativity. You can't live your life off of negativity. Uh, and my mom and dad, you say, ain't got nothing to say, shut up. <laughs> no, they were, don't say anything at all, you know. But if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? But there's something to be said about good news. And uh, I, I, I want to give you some examples of, of uh, this isn't the message, this is just like, you know, getting on the diving board here. Uh, examples of good news that I've heard, and I haven't heard all these, but a good deal. How about this one? Uh, congratulations, here is your diploma. That's good news, isn't it? Remember when you got your diploma, your high school diploma? Some of you are like, no, no, I don't remember, because you haven't got it yet. Um, this, I remember this one. You may now kiss your bride. That's good news. I was thinking about that. You say, what, kissing your bride? Well, yeah, I think about it all the time. You know, the preacher used to be the one that authorizes that first kiss. I'm, I'm not, look, relax. <laughs> and, uh, but that's old-timey stuff. You used to get permission from a preacher to kiss your bride. Now, look, you kiss your bride all you want. Don't ask me about it. <laughs> Just make sure she's your bride. Amen. Make sure she's yours. How about this one? Uh, you have been chosen for the job. You start Monday morning. That's that's good news, right? Until you got twenty days into the job. <laughs> You're like, oh my. Um, how about this one? You're the proud owner of a new home. 
How about this one? I remember this one. Uh, congratulations, it's a girl. I heard that three times. And again, and again. <laughs> it's puppies. No, just kidding. Uh, how about this one? This is good news. Thank you for being a loyal customer. Your vehicle has been paid in full. And then you still don't believe it until you get the updated title, you know, and they take your, the noose from around your neck and no, no secured lien on the uh, whatever, you know what I'm saying? I can't think tonight. How about this one? We are writing to inform you that we have accepted you into the university. Isn't that good news? And you got accepted in the college. You spent all that money and didn't use it. <laughs> um, how about this one? We are pleased to offer you this student aid or the scholarship. Pay for your books or pay for whatever. That's good news, isn't it? That's something we're talking about. That's exciting. Um, <laughs> this might be a dream or wish. This is attorney so-and-so from, I don't know, Wiggle, Wiggle, and Wiggle. Uh, you have been left an inheritance by your long-lost uncle. All you have to do is come down and sign the paperwork. <laughs> There's no wiggling out of it. Or how about this one? Did you hear that brother so-and-so got saved? Isn't that good news? Amen. That's really good news. It used to be uh, uh, saints of God would use it, used, to, used to get pretty fired up when people got saved. And someone would get saved, and man, that thing would just be, you know, like a buzz. Uh, how about this one? It used, it used to be um, uh, good news when you hear someone wanting to join a church. Join a church. Amen? So why, why, is it, why is it not good news? I didn't say it wasn't. You just don't hear a lot of it, you know? That's why when you hear about someone getting saved, I don't care how they got saved, where they got saved, whose church, praise the Lord, man. I mean, there's another name on the roll. Remember when your name wasn't on the roll? Amen. It's just a good news. And uh, I want to just give you a couple thoughts here on some good news tonight. And uh, Solomon, the wisest man in the world, uh, next to Jesus Christ, he says, as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Actually, these are Proverbs... Uh, yeah, they're Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Judah copied out there. Let me give you the first one. Uh, the good news, I'll give you three things about good news tonight. First of all, the good news that came to my mind as I was trying to prepare is uh, that there's one perfect and infallible source of truth called the King James Bible. There's one perfect and infallible source of truth. Uh, isn't it interesting, this country, I don't know if you ever thought about it this way, but this country, every four years, it votes on what they think truth is. You ever stop and think about that? And, uh, you know, there's a thing on uh, called fact checkers, right? And uh, myth busters or fact checkers or whatever in the world you call those things. But you know what they're, they're vying for? They're vying for truth. But you know what's the good news about tonight? Is you've been given one infallible perfect source of truth. And that's the King James Bible. Uh, look at Psalm chapter 12. Psalm chapter 12. Now, I don't, know, I don't know if this excites you or not, and I'm not looking for someone to grab onto the fans, and then we turn the fans and swing you around like a bunch of crazy charismaniacs or not, but that is good news. 
that in this dark, depressing, disgusting world that you cannot trust, the Lord has given you and left you a perfect, infallible source of truth. And it should be right in your lap. And it's the authorized version, King James Bible, which come out of 1611. Now, look at this verse. I, I know many of you are familiar with it. Psalm chapter 12, uh, verse 6 and 7. The Bible says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. You see that? You know, the Lord's always had the truth, no matter what time man was on this earth. The interesting thing is that the truth is so available, you can go less than 30 minutes in any direction and get you a copy, and usually for under 10 bucks. Uh, my understanding, I might be wrong, but I looked at the dollar, they're putting up dollar generals, uh, uh, you know, every four and five miles. Uh, I only saw the King James Bible in there. I might be wrong. They might put other ones in there, but I tell you what, doesn't I tell you what the Lord thinks about his word? When he makes the Bible that easy for you and I to get a hold of? You say, what is that? That's good news that you have it. You know, everyone here probably, almost everyone here tonight has their favorite Bible. And you might not have, maybe your favorite Bible is the one that sits by your bed or the one that you sit in the chair and read or something like that. But if you have a, a different Bible here tonight, it's because you, you have a preference for the layout. But there are a bunch of people in this world that they, they don't even have it. And if they had a page of it, they'd, uh, they'd weep buckets of tears for it. And I'm, I regret to say that I probably have seven Bibles myself and five that I filled cover to cover with notes. And then uh, it'd be like a Crayola factory threw up on the thing and I had to start over. But what's the good news? There's one perfect infallible source of truth and the Lord left it for you. And because of that, uh, I want you to see in that verse it says purified in verse six, seven times. And I'll show you an interesting thing about the King James Bible. There's only one Bible in that list of seven, the bottom one that was authorized by King James of Scotland, that last one. But all those other Bibles were authorized by the church. And if that don't tell you, the Bible says in was it, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, where the word of a king is, there is power. And I'm telling you, there's something about that. There are seven Bibles right there. And went through a period of about, what is that, about 100 years. English Bibles. And the Lord stopped that thing, purified seven times with the King James Bible. And so anywhere you go within 30 minutes, probably less than that now, you can get, you can get a copy of the perfect, preserved truth, Word of God. What do you mean truth? I mean like well, he said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Well, what, what about the truth about the you know, government? Read the book. It'll tell you the truth about government. You ever stop and realize what Solomon said? I, I don't have the reference offhand. But as this world gets more wicked, you know what happened? It has to happen to our government. It has to get bigger. The Bible says, for the transgression of a land as the multitude of princes increased. You see that? The more wicked your country gets, the bigger the government has to get. And you've witnessed that over the years. You say, what is that? I'm just showing you just an excerpt of good news. No, that's not good news. I'm talking, you already knew it because you've got the truth in your lap. There's nothing in your life that you can't go through and deal with without having the truth in your lap. 
Now you go on social media, you go on uh, anything online or like that, and you have no idea what you're going to find. Well, I got this article that said that this, uh, this political leader over here said this and that, and then you find another one, he said the opposite thing. Which one's right? Who knows and who cares? <laughs> one feller said, you know a politician is lying when? When his lips are moving. You say, is that true? Oh, I'm sure there's an exception to the rule, but the good news here tonight is, is you've got the perfect source of truth. That thing's purified seven times, and you know what that does? If it's been purified seven times, it gives us pure words. Let me give you a couple things about this. Not only pure words, but look at, uh, it's, it's a pointed word. It's a pure word. It's a pointed word. That book in your lap, if you have a Bible, it's a pointed word, isn't it? You know what I like about the old preachers? They're plain spoken. Uh, they don't mince words. They're not politicians. In the Bible, you have politicians and you have orators. An orator, I believe it's in Acts chapter 24, 5 or 6 around there. His name is Tertullus, and he was really smooth. You ever, talk, you ever run into someone and they just, man, they just always have the right thing to say? That has never been me. It's like I've always had the wrong thing to say. And I'm not going to blame it on because I'm so spiritual. That has nothing to do with it. Look over Acts chapter 2. I want to show you why the word of God is a pointed word. Acts chapter 2. Now, this is really important for us to try to grasp a hold of the fact that we have the truth in these dark, perilous days that we live in. Acts chapter 2, look at verse 37. And I, I, was, I told myself when I got up here, I was going to, by the way, if you called and sent a card and, and texted, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, there's been a lot of calls and a lot of texts, and I don't know if I've even responded to them. And thank the Lord for all the encouragement that y'all have been to me, especially my wife and my children, but especially my wife. She's waited on me hand and foot. And as this comes, you know, as we get closer to it, it might be more with a foot. But anyways, uh, she just, you know, you get, you get cranky, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when, when you're just kind of like not feeling good and the pain's setting in, there ain't nothing spiritual about it. You, your flesh wants to be pampered, and uh, she, she's just, she's top notch. If she'll keep me, I'll keep her, Amen. Verse 37, look at Acts 2.37. Now, this is why it's important. You need to understand this. The Bible says, now, when they heard this. What is this? This is Peter. He's preaching, right? This is the words of a big mouth preacher. Now, look at it. When they heard this, what was Peter preaching? He was preaching the word of God. Now, when they heard this, you know what this is now? Okay, you're welcome. <laughs> they were what? Pricked in their heart. You know, when you preach, when you talk about the Lord... And when you reveal that truth to other people, it pricks their heart. That's what it's supposed to do. They are pricked in their heart. Look over at uh, Acts chapter 9, 9 verse 5. They are pricked in the heart. Acts chapter 9, it's a pointed word. Uh, this book you have is for comfort. I'm thankful for it. Amen? Um, I, I, all I could do the other day, a couple days ago, is read one chapter. I'm like, oh, look at all, all this time I'm going to have on my hands. Huh? No, it ain't. No, no, it ain't like that at all. And I, I read one chapter, and I thank the Lord for it. Say, what'd you read? I don't even remember. But anyways, Acts chapter nine, look at verse five. 
I guess what I'm saying is you, you think you're a tough individual until a tougher situation encompasses you, and then you're just really not that tough. Uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 5, this is Paul's conversion here, and uh, he's on the road to Damascus, right? And he gets unhorsed, or I know you, you know, so well, it's not in the past, well, help yourself, whatever, he's, he was upright, now he's on the ground. He said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the what? You see that? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You know what the pricks is? It's the word of God. As a purified book seven times. And it's hard. You, you know what? You start hearing that preaching. You start hearing that teaching. Word by word. Uh, verse by verse. Here a little in there. And that starts pricking at you. It starts poking you. It starts cutting you. And some of that cutting's good to remove sin, remove cancer in your life, and remove things in your life that don't need to be there. But the Lord flat out says, it's hard. you can kick all day long, but you're kicking against the wrong thing. You're kicking against the pricks. Look back at Acts chapter 7, verse 54. <clears throat> now, I know here in Acts chapter 7, just, I'm just showing you a couple examples of men like Peter and Paul, and here's Stephen. Uh, what happened is they're preachers, and they're preaching the Word of God. They're not preaching opinion. They're not preaching their uh, proclivities, and uh, they're not preaching standards. Amen? Aren't you glad? Because if I'm going to get up and preach standards, well, I guess y'all are wearing gross-looking sweatpants around the house for the last few days. You see what I mean? I don't think any, I got any takers on that one. This, a man that gets up in his pulpit and uses his pulpit as a place to preach standards, uh, I got no use for him. Uh, you want standards, you can turn on any number of television channels. If Jesus Christ is our standard and the Bible is our standard, why don't we take his? <laughs> I don't understand that thing. Look at 754. Here's uh, Stephen. He's preaching. Uh, when they heard these things, they were cut to the what, someone slice them open, grab out their largest muscle in their body, went and cut them with a pocket knife? No, that's a spiritual cutting. That's preaching. When people hear preaching, it cuts their heart. And you know what happens when you get saved, right? There's a spiritual operation that takes place made without hands. And the Word of God, Acts, or, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing even to the sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You say, what is all that? I tell you what, you've got a perfect book, you've got a perfect source of truth, and when you read it, and when you preach it, and when you give it out, it goes out and it cuts. So here's the thing, you go out and tell someone about Jesus Christ. You give someone a gospel track that shows their need of salvation. Hey, look, I want you to read about Jesus Christ. He's my best friend. If you don't know him before you die, you're going to burn in hell. And usually people go, like, how dare you? You know, like, you just threaten them. Yeah, you threaten them with a cure. I understand that. And you give that to them, then they read that track or that uh, piece of paper or that Bible verse, and, and it cuts them, and they, they feel sore, and it's conviction, right? That's the pricking of the Word of God. And you can't kick against the pricks. You can, but it's going to hurt you. And I'm just showing you these uh, pure words. They're pointed words. Now, look at this, Second Peter chapter 1. I won't belabor this too much. Second Peter chapter 1. But this, this thing tonight is about good news, and I think we've mistaken many times for the 
the comical list in front as the only kind of good news that can happen if it affects our, our, our wallet. And uh, I'm telling you what, as I look around here tonight and I see people that the Lord has saved and has grown in the Lord and has brought here over the last year, that's good news. That is good news. I'm telling you what, that'll get me down the road. Because we are, we are literally, if you do the old Michigan thing, right? This is Michigan. Am I doing that right? Yep. We're like over there. So it's there. Who cares? We are right somewhere in there. And we're just a speck on a map of eternity. But I'll tell you what, on this speck of a map of eternity, are people getting trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, getting their names written down in the book of life. And they got the truth and they're growing in Jesus Christ now and they're not ever going to be the same again. That's good news. Uh, look at Second uh, Peter 1. Not only is it pure word, it's a pointed word, but uh, you know when it comes to a word, this is a word that's not privately interpreted. Everyone thinks, well, that's just the way you take it. Well, preacher, I don't agree with you. That's just the way you see it. I just, I just see what it says. Look at it. First Peter 1. Now, listen, if I'm going to surmise something about the Word of God, I'll be the first one to tell you. Now, look, I'm surmising this without attempting to correct the book. Because like some things, you have to draw some conclusions, and I'll be the first one to tell you. The Bible doesn't say it went like this, but I'm guessing it did. And if I'm wrong, the Lord will straighten me out. All right, first, uh, Second Peter 1, look at 20. 20. It says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. You see that? So there's no one individual in this country that has a private interpretation of the Scripture anywhere. There's no spiritual guru anywhere. There's no pope. There's no priest. There's no pastor. There's no rabbi that, that's got some special interpretation that we need to run and flock to. Notice it says, uh, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now look, that's a word that's not privately interpreted. Uh, go back to Proverbs 30. Man, this good news is that you and I have the truth in our lap, and I guess the question that I have to ask is, what are you doing with it lately? What are you doing with it lately? This book that's in your lap, it's good to protect you, it's good to sustain you, and it's good to nourish you. Nourish you. And if you're not getting into it, then you're not going to be nourished up. And if you're not regularly reading it and using it, see, there's a difference between reading and using it. Well, I read my Bible for the day. Well, praise the Lord, you did. I'm, I'm seriously happy that you read your Bible today. Sure beats not reading it. I mean, stop and think about it. That 10 or 15 or 20 minutes that you spent reading your Bible, I'm pretty sure you didn't sin. That's a blessing, isn't it? You know why some people don't read their Bible more? I don't know. Yeah, everyone's got their own reasons, right? But generally, when you read your Bible, you're not sinning. Generally, when you go to church, you're not sinning. Generally, I know there's an exception that will prove the rule. Amen? But... Uh, Look at this thing here, uh, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and 6. I want you to show you protecting words. These words are designed to protect you. And you, know, you know what I need? I need protection. Oh, you're the preacher. Man, I need double protection. Double idiot, man. The uh, Bible says every word of God is pure. 
He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Ain't that something? Now look at this, verse 6. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. All right? So pretty simply, you don't mess with the book, because once you start messing with it, the Lord's going to show you that you're a liar. But that verse 5 is, I want you to see, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. I'm telling you, I'm only 47 years young, but you can trust this book. It will never let you down. And when you get hurt in life, many of those times that hurt is designed in the long run to help you. And I don't like to be hurt, and you don't like to be hurt, but the end result many times of that inward hurt, that sorrow, and I don't know much about pain. I've experienced it a little bit in the last few days. But if you look up that, the Bible, what the Bible says about pain, it's designed to bring fruit into your life. You know, pain's also decide. Uh, uh, um, how do I say it? Pain is designed. Thank you very much, Jerm. Pain is designed to draw you closer to the Lord. The Lord will give you some pain because he needs you to get right with him. Now look, every time you stub your toe in the middle of the night and step on Legos or something doesn't mean you're not a fellowship with God. But sometimes the Lord lets you hurt physically, so you'll go, okay, okay, all right, what's up, Lord? And then you can get right with him. You say, well, what's wrong? Well, maybe your attitude, number one, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's just your fellowship. Maybe the Lord wants to be closer to you than you want to be to him. You ever told the Lord you want to be close to him? I have. You know what happened half the time? I got bored along the way. You know why? The Lord's like, okay, you really want to be close to me? We'll see. I'm just going to wait and see how close you want to draw to me. Right? Some of you have fallen in love before, you know? And when you fall in love, you're just like, okay, I'll call you in a week, honey. Uh-uh. You call. And there was no texting when we were dating. There are no cell phones when you're dating. See, my, I get to sound old now. You know? And uh, and I'm telling you, whatever chance I got, I get in that stinking truck and I go see her. You know what the Lord wants you to do? He wants to see if you can go spend time with him. And that relationship grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it intensified the more time we spent together. But, it's, uh, but those words are protecting words, and I'm telling you, you can put your trust in that book. Look at Psalm 119, 160. Protecting words. And we'll, we'll, we won't finish the list here, but I think you get, get the understanding. The good news is you got the truth. Amen? You can have truth and clear direction in 2023 in your Christian life. And if you don't have clear direction, it's all because you won't submit to the Holy Spirit. All right, Psalm 119, 160. All right, the Bible says here in verse 160, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Aren't you glad it's true? Aren't you glad you ain't got to, you know, question it? Aren't you glad you don't? There's a lot of things you uh, ask Google or Siri. You know, hey, Siri, who won the game last night? (laughs) Uh, uh, Siri, when was such and such a person born, right? Who's the left tackle for this team? And Siri, just, but you you don't have to ask, you don't have to ask Siri if the Bible is true. Matter of fact, go ahead and ask Siri if the Bible is true. That thing's so stupid, I won't even tell you. I mean, it knows everything about everything, but it knows the Bible is true. 
artificial intelligence my foot. Good grief. All right. Well, let's move on to the second one here. That's the good news. You got the truth right in your lap, don't you? Well, how about this one? Go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. Remember, we're just talking about good news. You know, for many years, uh, my family and I were on the street, not like we had a home. I'm not saying like vagabonds. But one of the ways we attempted to minister, I guess I better clarify it, right? <laughs> one of the ways my family tried to minister to the streets of West Branch to our community was to go out and preach on the street. And you say, well, did it work? Uh, well, some people got saved, and uh, whether or not anyone ever, um, you know, joined a church or not, I couldn't actually tell you that much. But we were doing what we thought the Lord wanted us to do, and we were under the auspices of the local church. In other words, the ministry was through the local church, and the pastor was the overseer, so forth and so on. So I believe the Lord blessed it. But look at First John chapter 2, verse 2. He says here, <clears throat> But what I was going with that story is uh, when I go out there and preach, at first I just give them all hellfire. You know, you're going to burn in hell. You're going to fry like a sausage. You're going to sizzle and all that stuff. And uh, I don't know, you know, some of you wrinkle your nose and that stuff. And some people need hellfire, but some people need it just a gear or two below that sometimes. Uh, so I heard an older preacher, uh, he preached, and so I started preaching about good news. And I'd say, uh, I'd say this, for example, I'd say, uh, now, everywhere you go, you hear bad news. I'd be preaching this on the street. I'd say, you listen to the radio, there's nothing but bad news. Uh, you turn on the television, there's nothing but bad news. I said, I'm here to tell you about the good news of Jesus Christ. And the good news of Jesus Christ is that Christ died for sinners, and he died just for you, and he died just for me. Now, that's good news. Have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? So the point is, we're trying to give you some good news, and if you're here today and you're saved, you've got the truth in your lap. You don't have to check Facebook. You don't have to check YouTube. You don't have to check your favorite preacher. I didn't say you didn't have to listen to him. I'm just saying you have got the truth in your lap, and you have the ability, because this book was written in fourth and fifth grade English, to ascertain, ascertain and grasp a hold of the words of truth. But look at this one, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. Not only good news uh, uh, that we have a perfect Bible, but let me give you this number two. Uh, the good news tonight is you also have a perfect, pleasing sacrifice for our sins. You have a perfect, pleasing sacrifice for our sins. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. The Bible says, and he is, this is a big word, the propitiation for our sins. You know what that is? The only pleasing sacrifice. You know why he had to be the propitiation? Because he was perfect. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, there's none righteous, no, not one. None. There's none that doeth good. Even on your best day, you're a flop. The Bible says in Isaiah, it says, all we like sheep uh, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. All our righteousness are as filthy rags, the Bible says. At your best state, you know what Solomon said? Man is vanity. We forget about that, don't we? We forget because we get saved and we have the absolute truth in our lap that somehow uh, that we're all that in a bag of chips. Look, without Jesus Christ, we just might as well be as good as in hell with the door shut. But look, we not only have a perfect source of truth, but we have a perfect, pleasing sacrifice for our sins. And that verse says, and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only. But look, but also for the sins of the whole world. What are you going to do with that one, John Calvin? 
I mean, if you're wrapped up in this intellectual stupidity of God only saved the elect and God only saved the intelligent and God only saved a handful that could do this, that, what are you going to do with that? Look what it says. He says, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Aren't you thankful for that? I am. I'm telling you here tonight, Jesus Christ is the perfect, pleasing sacrifice. And that is still good news. That is still, believe it or not, that's why we are here. It's not because we want to learn these great and deeper things. And, uh, and although we enjoy learning the Bible and study the Bible, the fact of the matter is Jesus Christ is the only perfect, pleasing sacrifice. He's the only one that could do it. You know, the Bible says there in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, when you deal with someone about their soul, that's really pretty much first base, isn't it? If they don't realize that they're a sinner, you're almost like beating your gums from that point in time. Well, okay, well, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> but if you can get someone to say, yeah, I'm a sinner. Well, when did you sin? Well, you want the detail? No, I don't want the detail. Well, you know, I cussed out my mother-in-law. Okay, well, yeah, you definitely are a sinner, even if, even if she deserved it, you know. But, <laughs> but at any rate, <clears throat> but, uh, it says, for all have sinned. But have you ever stopped and think about it? If it wasn't for Jesus Christ, we'd, why, why would we even be here? You ever stop and think that everything that we're about right here tonight is based upon one man, Jesus Christ. And if it weren't for Jesus Christ and the only pleasing uh, sacrifice for all our sin, there'd be no hope whatsoever. There'd be no hope for you to get up and go to work tomorrow. I don't, I don't advocate drinking and uh, all the social vices and ills of our day, but if there's no heaven and there's no Jesus Christ and he didn't die for our sins, what's wrong with everything else? The reason men get tied up in the social vices of our day and the vaping and the drinking and the smoking and the carousing and all that fleshly <clears throat> stuff is to simply run away from the conscience that man is a sinner. But I'm thankful tonight that we have a perfect, pleasing sacrifice for our sins. Look at Romans chapter 3 real quick, verse 25. Romans 3.25. You and I should never, ever, ever run too far from Calvary's cross. Never run too far from Calvary. There's power in that blood. Romans chapter 3, look at verse uh, 24. 24. The Bible says, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Look at 26. To declare, I say, at this time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Let me tell you what, there's power in that blood. Jesus Christ is the perfect, pleasing sacrifice. And when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know what he does? He justifies you. Not only does he take away all your sin, he gives you his perfect spotless record. And then he charges you with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And only Jesus Christ could do that. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 real quick. Simple truths, you know, the beginning of the year is often times where you and I should begin to stop and settle back on the basic things in our Christian life.
I know a good deal of teachers, they spend a majority of the first few weeks back in any semester trying to get back into the proverbial swing of things. And uh, we should never get too far from Calvary to realize what the Lord's done for us. Look at 1 Corinthians 15.3. Now here's the good news. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. You see that? You know why Jesus Christ had to die? Because you're a sinner. Jesus Christ had to die, become the only pleasing sacrifice, because you were a sinner. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. But wait a minute, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So there's the gospel, there's the good news, there's the death, there's the burial, and the resurrection of who? Jesus Christ. You see that? He's the only perfect, pleasing sacrifice. I'll give you one more verse on this, 1 Peter chapter 3. And here's where you can personally apply it. 1 Peter chapter 3. The good news is you've got a perfect Bible, the perfect source of truth in your lap today. And uh, the good news is that you have the perfect, pleasing sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He died on that cross for your sins. 1 Peter chapter 3, look at verse 18. The Bible says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. You see that? The just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Now, what I want you to do real quick, I want you to realize that the one that was just was Jesus. You understand that, right? And the unjust is who? It's you. So you look at that verse again, and you put your name in for the unjust. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to put my name there. You put your name there. Read it with me. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for Jeremy that he might bring us to God. You see that? So what has to happen? Well, I have to realize, first of all, that I'm that sinner. I'm the one that sinned. And without Jesus Christ, there's a penalty for my sin, which is to be forever in the lake of fire when I die. Look at Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, last book in the Bible. You see, a lot of us Christians, we know lots of little pieces of our Bible, but what you need to be able to do over the process of time is put this thing together so you can see the bigger picture. Revelation chapter 20. Now this is what happens if you don't trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. This is what happens if you don't accept the perfect, pleasing sacrifice for sin. All right? <clears throat> Verse 15, And whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. You say, what is that? That's eternal hell. You don't burn up like the, you don't, you're not annihilated like the Jehovah Witnesses say. Uh, you don't come back, you know, like a toad or a cow or a fly like the Buddhists say or Confucius or whatever, you know, whatever. What happens? Well, if you die without Jesus Christ, you go to hell. And you burn forever and ever and ever and you never get out. You see why I'm preaching about good news? You need to be reminded every once in a while that if you're saved, you're not going there. That'll put some spring back in your step no matter what you're going through. So you've got the good news that you've got the perfect truth in your hands, the good news, the perfect pleasing sacrifice, and how could we not end it this way? Uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 again. I'll give you the last one. Here's the good news that Jesus Christ is coming back very soon. 
Now, see, doesn't that sound better than some student loan getting paid for? <laughs> I mean, think about it. Jesus Christ is coming back. Oh, I won the lottery. <laughs> when Jesus Christ comes back, it's all going to burn. Well, uh, well, I, you know, I, I've got, you know, I got a new job. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you got a job. Most people these days, they don't want to work. If you have a job and it says something about your character, it says something about your parents too, they put something in you that's still going. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Now the good news here, uh, finally and lastly, is that Jesus Christ is coming back very soon. Uh, I believe this with all my heart. I believe He could come back tonight. He could come back tonight before we finish. And that'd be okay. Yeah, amen, amen. Um, I I would be able to run before my recovery time's up. I look at verse 51. This is good news. He says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. They must have been taking notes in church or something. (laughs) We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Jesus Christ is coming back. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Man, that's good news. That is really good news. As you're going over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says in that uh, chapter 15 that you were just at, if we have uh, hope uh, in this life of Jesus Christ only, we're of all men most miserable. You say, what does that mean? If all our hope is in this very life, but yet not the life to come, we're wasting our time. But the good news here tonight is Jesus Christ is coming back soon. That's good news. I'm ready to go. I put my, uh, my mama led me to Christ April 24th, 1983. I realized that I was a sinner. You didn't have to convince me of that. They'd, my parents already convinced me I was a sinner a long time ago. Amen. Parents do that. Tell your kids they're wrong. You know what the problem with the public school system is? They look at your child wrong. They look at your child and say, oh, he's basically good. That's wrong. You're basically bad. And unless you put something in them, they won't be good. All you got to do is go to Walmart to figure that thing out. Your kids aren't, you're not generally good. But see, that's the philosophy of man. 2 Corinthians, uh, you know, 1 Thessalonians 4. Well, that's good news. We're getting out of here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Bible says here in verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Here we go. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. You say, what does that mean? Well, my, my dad's uh, mother, uh, Edith, she died, I think it was 92. Uh, she gets to go up first. So how, what's the time difference? I don't know. I don't care. I'm going up right after she does. <laughs> She's going to beat me there. They're going to rewrite the hymn. It's called Beat Me There, not Meet Me There. Amen. <laughs> All the dead in Christ, they go first. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Those of you lo- lost loved ones that are saved, guess what? They're going to get there just a step in time before you. Amen. That's a blessing. And if, you're, if you worry at all, and you don't have to worry because the Bible gave you his word on it. But if you worry at all about your loved ones that are saved, they're going to be watching you come up. You see that? And meet the Lord in the air. That's good news. 
How about this? There's going to be people that are up there that you didn't think were saved. Transversely, there's going to be people that see you that didn't realize you were saved either. <laughs> but that's good news. He's coming back. You say, oh, that's real great, preach. Okay, now here's the flip side of that thing. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? You got a clear conscience? You know what Paul said after his ministry? Twice. I am free from the blood of all men. Can you say that tonight? Every person you've ever come in contact with that you weren't sure was saved, you give them the gospel at least twice. You see that? That's tough. Now look, either you're ready to go or you're not ready to go. Now either here you're today, you're a Christian, and you're excited and you're ready to go. Praise the Lord, me too. I want to go. But at the same token, what if you've been messing around with something this side? Right? Oh, old preacher used to use this illustration. You know, some Christians have a real time with different things. Some Christians, they, they struggle with drinking, you know. Some Christians struggle with eating. It, it, every Christian, every soldier has a problem. I don't care what you think, all right. The difference, uh, you Christians, is you all sin different. <laughs> that's it. That's the only thing that's different. And, but what if, what if your problem was a social ill and it was smoking? You know, not only does it stink, right, and it's ridiculously expensive, but energy drinks are expensive too. So go pick one way, right? Uh, I guess one's probably socially more acceptable than the other. But what if you, uh, it's the rapture and you're down there, you know, hammering your, your Newport News there. And, and there you are in the presence of the Lord sucking a cigarette, man. How'd you like to go that way? Well, Lord, I was going to do late. <laughs> you see what I mean? Are you ready to go? That's what I'm saying. We got good news. We got the truth in our lap. Jesus Christ is the pleasing sacrifice. Without him, nothing would be possible tonight. And the good news is he's coming back. And are you ready? Now, look, if you're not ready, there's two reasons. You've got something to take care of in your own personal life and your personal fellowship with him. Or number two, you're not saved. And that's my concern tonight. How's your fellowship with Jesus Christ? Because if your fellowship's right, you want to go. So rest assured, if your fellowship is right, you're like, yeah, let's get out of here. Amen? But either your fellowship's not right, or you're not saved. And that very good news that you heard about tonight will become bad news. Because if you miss that, and Jesus Christ comes back, then you'll have to stand before him, and he'll have to cast you into hell for all eternity. And listen, don't go to hell from a church pew. Uh, there was a number of years my wife and I worked with young people over in Lepton, and it seemed there towards the, the back half of our 18 year of trying to serve there, all of a sudden Christian school kids would get saved left and right. And I'm thinking, what is their problem? What is their problem? There's kids. They need the Lord. doesn't matter if you raise them in a Christian home or a non-Christian home. People need the Lord. Listen, you, you've read the, the comical saying, without the bread of life, you're toast. Now listen, if you can't put your finger on a time and place where you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not ready to go. And I'd hate for you to be that person when that trumpet sounds off and all your Christian friends go, that you're stuck here. Wouldn't you, <clears throat> let me put it like this. If the rapture takes place, and that's when all the Christians get out of here, and that trumpet sounds, and you've been playing church, and let's say all of us go and two stay behind, you're going to lose your mind. I believe you go out and kill yourself. 
Say, I'll talk about good news, but if you don't take the good news, it becomes bad news. And I pray if the Lord touched your heart on that thing, that you'll listen to him and just draw closer to him. All right, why don't we stand? We'll have a word of prayer. We'll go home. Good news. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. You got some good news to give people this week? I know you do. And I appreciate you for coming tonight and appreciate your prayers and appreciate all the... Oh my goodness, I got food, food, and anyways... Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we sure love you. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the good news that we have the perfect, infallible truth in our possession, Father. And if we don't know something about it, it's because we're not looking. Help us, Lord, to not just read the Bible more, but read it with purpose. Lord, to put more time into it. And Father, discipline ourselves to set time aside during our day or in the afternoon or in the evening. And Lord, recommit to uh, reading one more chapter and one more verse. And Father, getting through one more book of the Bible. And Father, thank you, Lord, for the perfect, pleasing sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And Father, thank you, Lord, that you're coming to get us out of here. And Father, I long to go. And Father, I pray you wouldn't be long. We could all be uh, with you together in heaven. Thank you for the goodness and graces of God. Father, if there's someone here today that's not saved, would you draw them close to you at this time? Help us to be a witness and a testimony in this evil, sinful world we live in. Father, we love you. Thank you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, have a great night.